Today on Lockdown Red Wings, Detroit beats the Islanders on Saturday 3 to nothing. Shut out for Ville Husso Sunday on a back-to-back in Madison Square Garden. Beat the uh, Rangers 3-2 to in overtime for a three-game winning streak. You're locked on Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Red Wings podcast. And let me tell you, we are happy campers on this Sunday evening as we record right after the Red Wings 3-2 overtime win over the New York Rangers. But we got to do this chronologically. First, we have got to talk about the game against the New York Islanders. Before we can get to that, let me introduce you guys to us. You probably already know us, but we are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. Getting ahead of myself. I'm a podcast You're producer. You're all over the place today, Brian. brother. <laughs> I'm a podcast producer at WWJ News Radio. Well, Scotty is a freelance journalist for the Detroit News, as well as the host of Locked On Tigers. I'm all over the place because I'm excited. I will try my Absolutely. best to take a deep breath, calm down, but remain keeping the energy. Um, but before... I can talk about the games. I guess this is kind of intrinsically a part of the Islanders game on the game in the game against the Islanders where the Red Wings won three to nothing. Shout out for Vili Husso. Zadina blocked a shot and is suspected to be out months, not weeks. About six to eight is what I heard on the broadcast as the opening was actually playing for this. I just checked Twitter because I'm an iPhone addict and just can't get my eyes off my screen. And I saw a tweet from Helene St. James saying that, Malone wouldn't go into the details, but said something is broken after blocking that shot. And so he is out, like I said, a matter of months, not weeks. So news and notes wise, that's a huge blow because now you're already out Pertuzzi, who is probably about halfway through his injury if things are progressing well. Vron is out indefinitely. Before the season started, you were missing Fabry, Wallman, and Pissick. So your depth is getting tested. And you saw it in Zarnik getting called up on Sunday's game. You already know Matt Luff's up. And we'll talk about those guys and their performances. But, man, people are people are kind of in my replies talking smack about Zadina and being like, oh, it's not that big of a loss. I don't think people quite realize how big of a loss losing Philip Zadina is. Yeah, he did not show up on the score sheet whatsoever so far this year, and that stinks. But he was one of the best, if not the best, defensive forward the team had so far. If you sorted your analytics by Corsi, by Fenwick, by expected goals, four percentage, whatever your flavor is, he was always at the top, not because his expected goals for was super high, which it was, but it's because his expected goals against was atop the team. He was such a solid defensive forward. That's a huge blow for a team that, not this weekend, but normally struggles defensively. Yeah, I think you're going to see the effects of it, especially on just the, the, the bottom six of this team. Like, that's where he was... Oh, I guess middle six more so is where he was slotted in most nights. But I, th- I think you're going to see some effects of it. And we're, we don't need to spend too much time on it because we, we have some People really want to hear about the wins. <laughs> yeah, we got some really exciting games to go over and uh, and whatnot. But yeah, th- I, I think that this this will be something that as games go on and as we get into the week's territory, you know, weeks and weeks and months start going by without him, I think when we break down, you know, defensively how this forward core is going I think people might I know it's really easy to point at him and laugh and talk smack about Zadina and whatever but I I think he does have a role on this team that he was doing pretty well up to this point they're gonna miss it certainly absolutely but let's we we have so much to cover in this episode so we gotta we just gotta move past that I have a lot more to say I could about Zadina 
But the Red Wings won on Saturday a 1 p.m. puck drop, which is so weird to me. Both puck puck drops were weird times. A matinee Sunday game, which I understand would be a 5 o'clock time, but a 1 o'clock on a Saturday. I'm so used to those 7 o'clock games. But 1 o'clock on a Saturday at home, they're celebrating the 1998 Stanley Cup. And, you know, I think both of those games, that energy, that that reminiscence, that sentimentality, the nostalgia kind of permeated through the team because the team played great again. In fact, you know, I made the argument against the in the Washington Capitals game that the Wings made uh, made good on Huso's stellar performances and made good on uh, good special teams, then that's why they won the game. But in the game against the Islanders, they played them hard and even in every facet of the game. The Islanders heavily outplayed the Wings at 5-on-5 five five in the third period, but at that point, they are already up 2 to nothing. And then the Dominic Kubelik goal scored it, or sealed it, rather, in the third period. I mean, they played an all-around great game in the game on Saturday. Yeah, they they were stellar, and I said this in our uh, in our locked on now in our little recap video that we post after games. Uh, I think for my money, this was the best defensive performance of the season by Easily. this team. They looked absolutely stellar. Uh, the shots against numbers were really solid, especially the first two periods. They kind of let them get some shots off in the third, but Huso was on one. Just a, it's such a lethal combo that we have not seen in so long to have like a really good goalie that's on his head and like a really good defensive uh, performance. It's something that that we have unfortunately not become accustomed to over the last several years, and it was really fun to see because they were pushing people to the outside, but they weren't getting burned on the outside. Like we've talked about a lot this season. Didn't really allow anything up the middle in front of the net or in the slot, at least like too many high danger opportunities again, especially in the first two periods. And Huso was able to to comfortably really glove everything or pad everything in the first two periods. I mean, it was a, it was a stellar, stellar performance by this defense. And I think, and that carried over to New York. Well, that they're both New York. That carried over into Madison Square Garden, I should say. Uh, it, it was a it was a great, great performance by this defense on Saturday against the Islanders. And then it was still really solid. I thought not as great, but it was still really, really solid on Sunday as well. Yeah. I mean, how about let's talk too about the decision to go right back to Billy Huso for the first game in that back to back. We weren't yeah. really sure what they would do. I thought maybe they'd give him the extra day off and then start him on um, Sunday. But if you come at it from the approach of you just came off a good win on Washington, where you rebounded after a horrible loss and you want to just ride the hot head hand as long as you can. Cause you know, two games can snowball into three games if you win. And if he's your better goaltender, start him on Saturday. They did that. And he, I was going to say, like, he hasn't incredibly challenged in this game. 24 shots against, not like a monumental amount, but he made saves when he should have. You know, it's he, yeah. he's just a very fundamentally sound goalie. And he makes the saves he should. And a couple, sometimes he makes amazing saves. And he did in that game as well. So, He's just been a solid goaltender all the way around. So going back to him was a wise decision. Is obviously you shut the Islanders out, um, a team that normally isn't necessarily like an offensive powerhouse, but did have three guys on this team uh, into that game that were above a point per game. And the team itself, and we talked about it in the preview, like they are a team that all around was playing really well. Um, their yeah. power play and penalty kill were middle middle of the pack. Their penalty kill is actually one of the better ones. And These are scored. two good teams. Yeah. Two very two good teams. Good, like good hockey yes. teams. And, and you, you absolutely them. rinsed one of them and then outplayed 
the game on Sunday as well. I know they got down early, but like I, I thought, us, I thought they were outplaying them the entire oh, game. If anything, until the third period, the, they were easily outplaying them. Yeah, if anything, it was the third period that maybe they they let off the gas a little bit. But the first two periods, they they were comfortably outplaying New York. Just kind of, kind of unlucky i guess is the word goals but ned then clamped it down and was really solid the remainder of the game and we'll get to new york we'll get to new york we're focusing on the islanders really we'll really get to new york game. we're talking about new york right now right right <laughs> very very yes correct uh we're, we're focusing on on the islanders yes I, I i completely agree with you though i think that uh i i Huso, man i We've said it before, so we don't have to spend too much time continuing the conversation. But like, this is his net, yeah. Like, even yeah, with absolutely. the performance on Sunday by Ned, like this is this is Huso's net. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Ned. We'll get to the Rangers. I want to talk about Ned, but we'll get to the Rangers. The, the reason why we're trying so hard to focus on the Islanders is because we're recording this right after the Rangers game, so our emotions on <laughs> that are very strong. Um, but also, the Islanders team, and we talked about it in the preview was that they have a very good penalty kill. And you scored a power play goal in that penalty kill. And I just want to talk about, or on that power play, rather, you did score a shorthanded goal as well. But I also want to talk about the fact that Raymond as a net front, net front presence has been super productive. He looked I, I, so good this entire that's weekend, his, man. Is that his third power play goal from right there in front of the net? I mean, him as that net yeah. front presence is very good. And, and they mentioned it. I can't remember who said it. But they brought up the fact that you know, normally your net front guy on a power play is a big body to screen the goaltender, but Lalone went with a guy who's smaller like Raymond because not just his hands, but his ability to like deflect and things like that of that nature. Like oh. he's, I mean, which kind of plays into the fact that he has really nice hands. I mean, hands, and, and then on Sunday, decisions. like on Sunday, Kubelik's game winner was yeah, but in front of the net. And you're like, not that Kubelik's a tiny dude, but. Well, also just the fact that it, Kubelik plays into that as well, and Perron plays into that as well, as right. like and Larkin too. Their chemistry offensively on the power play, just the the connection between Perron and Kubelik from wing to wing, and then Raymond down in front has just been a revelation. And their power play has been so much more effective. I mean, we've had power play goals now in what three straight games at least. I'm trying to remember correctly, but we were talking about. Coming yeah. out of the game on Monday, they've lost three of four. Now they've won three straight, and they've fixed or have been trying to fix a lot of these issues right. while at the same time losing players and having called players up to fill roles who have been filling roles really nicely. Just an all-around, man. We'll keep talking about it. I got to get hey, to the ad. but I got to say, caged Matt Luff, greatest hockey player of all time. <laughs> I saw your tweet. That was great. You're like, <laughs> Matt Luff with a cage? Dog. <laughs> that was fantastic. Um. Just like Simply Safe is fantastic if you're looking to tighten up your home security. If you've thought about securing your home with home security, but you've been putting it off, you'll want to listen up right now. Lockdown Red Wings listeners, in order the number one rated Simply Safe home security system for 50% off, this is their biggest offer of the year, and you don't want to miss it. Here's why you're going to love it. Simply Safe was named the best home security system of 2022 by U.S. News and World Report, a third year in a row. In an emergency, 24/7 professional monitoring agents use Fast Protect technology, exclusively from Simply Safe, to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real, so you can get priority police response. Simply Safe is whole home security with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door. HD security cameras for inside and out. Smarter ways to detect motion that alert you 
only when a threat is real, and even hazard sensors that detect fires, floods, and other threats to your home. 24-7 professional monitoring service costs less than $1 a day, less than half the price of ADT's traditional, professionally installed system. Don't miss your chance to save big on the, the only security system that we recommend. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe security system at simplysafe.com slash locked on NHL. This is the biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on NHL. There is no safe like Simply Safe. Segment two, Locked on Red Wings podcast. I do also like want to quickly tag on when we're talking about Lucas Raymond there been talking about him a lot lately and it feels really good to do so um he's just absolutely come on I mean he's uh scored I think that was his third goal in three games in that game I'm that might be incorrect oh yeah because he did score two goals that one game but I'm going off the top of my head here but he's been he's been scoring a lot of goals a lot of them have been coming on the power play and defensively in the game against the Rangers like he's he's just ever since getting that monkey off his back and getting that first goal, his confidence has come back. And yeah. it seems like he's been slowly, but surely getting the fears of sophomore slump off. I mean, his, his off the puck intelligence was there the entire time. Like he was always in the right position, making the right plays, but the other team was playing him hard and he couldn't figure out how to make space happen. But now he's not only making space happen, he's taking advantage and making good passes. He's just looked very solid ever since he scored that first goal, like more than solid, just looked, incredible back to being Lucas Raymond of last year, maybe even a a tick better than Lucas Raymond of last year. Yeah. I think the biggest thing in early on in the season with him was, I mean, we talked about it a lot, but his spacing with the puck, without the puck, just like his spacing and, and how he, he wasn't really able to get separation from anybody offensively. And I think that especially in the last four games, I guess ever since Minnesota, but really it stood out in the in the last three wins, he has done a stellar job of getting back to how he was last year and being able to get open space and being confident with the puck on his stick and still making moves happen and, and, and generating space on his own, whether it, he has the puck or I guess even whether – he doesn't have the puck either. Like he's, he's been, he's been a lot better and a completely reinvented is probably too dramatic, but he looks completely different than he did at the start of the season yep. for sure. Yep. And uh, I just also want to mention, cause I just noticed this and it just furthers my, I got a, we got a comment the other day saying that Michael Rasmussen sucked and that they should have kept up Giovanni Smith. And I could not disagree with that more. Because Michael Rasmussen is one of the most defensively sound forwards on this team, along with Philip Zadina. He blocked a shot in the game against Sunday that caused him to get hurt. But like that go, that's part of the reason why they've been playing so much better defensively is because the forwards haven't been afraid to block shots. He's also fifth on the team in points. Probably sixth now after the Lucas, uh, Lucas Raymond point on still. Saturday's game. But still, sixth on the team in points. And he's also in the top ten on the team in hits. I think he's sixth on the team there in hits as well. Yeah, so it's just he does a little bit of everything. Comparable. No, Johnny and so it's Smith just is, is, uh, he's literally my favorite player in the league. <laughs> <But> like Giovanni <laughs> Smith is is gonna get you, you know, fourth line winger minutes, and he's gonna provide a an, an edge aggressiveness wise. Whereas like Rass is is out there and and implementing the system. People just some people just think that's very accusatory to say it like that. How's the best way to say this? People want think that. Just because a player doesn't score a lot of goals doesn't mean they're not useful. 
And Michael Rasmussen has been more than useful as a center on this he's team. Been this, good year. this year, he's been good this year, and he was good at the end of last year. So I want to, yeah. I like seeing the way he's been playing so far this year, um, including this weekend as well with that block shot. Chill. I hope he's yeah, good. I hope he's okay because we can't we can't lose any more forward. Yeah, we, we have this whole conversation now. Giovanni's going to get called up for him. Yeah, <laughs> um, Pew Suter had a shorthanded goal that was incredible to see a break. I mean, you don't get many shorthanded goals, so just like shout that out. Pew Suter, nice shot on the breakaway. Oh yeah, uh, Kubalik. Is that our first of the year shorthanded? Uh, might be, and that was Pew Suter's second goal of the year. So now he's got three goals on the year. I think that's our first shorthander. Yeah, it might be. I don't know off the top of my head. I can't quite remember. But that that proved to be like a big blow to them. They're on the power play. You score. Yeah. I mean, they had a middle of the pack power play too, and you you scored on their yeah, power we play. Talked about it. And then Kubalik did what Kubalik does and got his at the time fifth goal of the season. Uh, we'll talk about both him and Larkin in the third segment. Let's. Do you have anything else you want to talk about besides? I mean, obviously team defense was great. I think you mentioned that. You did mention that power play and penalty kill were good. Power penalty kill was flawless. Power play got a goal. Continue to be good. Five on five, they're so. good. Just a really impressive win and one that without like before the game on Sunday started, you just knew like was a like we need to win this game because it's a back to back, not a not a not at home on the back to back, right? A home and home like you need you need to to really win that first game and they won it with authority against a really good team. And we talked about how the Islanders had one of the more prolific offenses in the NHL so far this season. Yep. When you look at how their offense produces and just how many goals they score on the season and in a game or per game, that's a, that's a really dynamic offense so far this season. And the wings just completely muffed them out, which was super cool. So yeah, great win. And then it, it translated into New York, obviously. You said it again. You, every time you say New York, I'm just like, yeah, New York, both New York. Not because <laughs> Saturday was at home. I'm saying that it's totally fair and justified and real. And counts. Okay, fair. Um, also, before we move on, I do want to shout out. Got to do my my expected goals for percentage because that's yes, you know that's how ahead. I am. You have your time, buddy. Um, Olimata, Philip Peronik, and you sent me a nice little graphic, and we'll talk about that as combined with the Rangers. Olimata and Philip Peronik at five on five, the best expected goals for percentage on the team yeah. and expected goals for for Olimata of 0.73 expected goals against of 0.09 for 88.71 percent Phil Peronik 0. 0.59 4.09 against for 86.37 Elmer Soderblom third on the team 0. 0.34 for 0. 0.06 against for a percentage of 84.43 they looked great in the game against Islanders and you know Olimad is doing a lot of heavy lifting on that pair, but Harnick hasn't looked. He's he's had games where he's looked bad, but overall he's been a lot better than he has last year. And Elmer Soderblom continues to impress me. He doesn't show up on the score sheet that much, but he looks like a bona fide NHLer. And he had a great play in a couple great plays in the game against the Rangers. So let's just use this as a jumping point to get into the Rangers. I thought Elmer Soderblom, despite not showing up on the right. score sheet, looked absolutely stellar yeah, against the did. New York Rangers. You know, so a couple of reasons why. One, I thought defensively he looked good. I think he's getting more and more comfortable with using his size as a huge ability defensively. Like, obviously, we all know what he can bring and what he can utilize his side for on the offensive side of the puck. But defensively, like, there are intangibles that he can pull off and moves that he can pull off on the defensive end that no forward in the league can pull off. And, like, I know that sounds super crazy to say but like it's true like not like forwards aren't that big like that's objectively true forwards don't have that wingspan so like 
that he has this this like untapped ability and un- untapped potential to pull off stuff stuff defensively that a lot of people can't and I think he's starting to to really find his groove defensively. I also thought his zone entry on Sunday was stellar. Like oh, the yeah. best I've seen from him all year and he didn't have too many opportunities to enter the zone on his own I don't think but the ones that he did have he looked fantastic. Um yeah, I, I thought I thought Soderblom was was unbelievable. No, and he made – it's just his reach is so – and his hands are so yeah. – combination so lethal. So He's getting more and more comfortable at the NHL level. I like, I've been liking him a lot. Um, you sent me this graphic of the most effective D pairings at five-on-five. Five. Do you want to read that for the people? Because it's going to – Oh, do you have it up? I don't have it I, up. I could grab it real quick. No. Or I so could just talk I, well, while you grab it. It's essentially <laughs> – let me find it. Uh, uh, it's essentially from moneypuck.com. So shout out moneypuck.com. Uh, and it says it's a graphic that is the best defensive shutdown pairings. So it's basically ranking every defensive pairing in the NHL, and it's the lowest expected goals against per time play together. Okay. And the minimum is 60 minutes played together so that you're not just getting, you know, people that played one pairing for, you know, a shift or whatever. So uh, you start off and you get, you know, like Colorado and whatnot, but you look and New Jersey has three in the top 12, which is crazy. But the only Red Wing pairing on this list is the 14th most shut down defensive pairing in the NHL so far this season is Olimata and Philip Hironic. Expected goals against per 60 is under two. It's 1.99. There are only 15 defensive pairings in the NHL at the time of this recording that have an expected goals against per 60 of under two. There you go, buddy. Absolutely incredible that Olimata and Phil Peronik are on that list. And, you know, I say this is what you signed Olimata to do. You signed him to be a shutdown defensive defenseman and help, uh, support Philip Ronick when he steps up in the play. Although Olimata has provided a lot of offense early in the season here. And Philip Ronick has definitely, Ronick or Honick, I always go back and forth on how I say it throughout an episode. Philip Ronick has been, you know, a lot better defensively this season than he was last season as well. They definitely complement each other very well. In fact, I mentioned that in the Islanders game that those two were the top two in terms of like quality shot attempt percentage and expected goals for percentage. Philip Ronick was second on the team on the Rangers game as well. Uh, with a percentage of 64.47, only in a, a 0.49 expected goals against and a 0.89 expected goals for. Meanwhile, his partners all the way down on near the bottom of the list. Like he was, you know, as a pair, they've been stellar and Olimata has been as actually better than as advertised with the, the offense he's provided. But them as yeah, a pair has worked out great. as a pair. They've worked out exactly how Iserman had hoped they would. So it's it's fantastic to see that they're playing so well. And, and they're a small, they're one pair on a team that has been playing a lot better defense over the weekend. And you talked about it in the honors game and it stayed true during the Rangers game. And, you know, we'll talk, continue talking about that. And we'll continue to talk about, obviously there's a lot of other things to get to. And, oh my gosh, it's already 23 minutes into the episode. So we got to like power through these or maybe make it a little bit of a longer episode, but either way, we'll get to it. Stay tuned for segment three of lockdown Red Wings. Segment three, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Scotty, do you want to talk about the overall defense, team defense in the game against the Rangers? Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was, uh, again, I, I think I said it earlier, maybe not, but I, I think that it while it wasn't as 
I mean, dominant as it was in the first two periods of the Islanders game. It was still really, really solid. And and again, even though the Islanders scored two goals in the first, Islanders, the Rangers scored two goals in the first, I still think that the Wings were outplaying them for that, that entire period. And, I, and it was really only a matter of time until they caught up to some extent, whether it was getting a win or getting a point or whatever. Like the, you, you knew it was coming just because they were outplaying them. Uh, for the first two periods. And yeah, I thought that the defense was really solid. Somebody that I do want to shout out is Ben Sherratt, who oh. really, I thought, was stellar in, against New York. And not only that, made the a Rangers. couple of plays where he just laid his body out on the line. Uh, yeah. Oh. Crazy, dude. Oh, man. He it's he really... Say what you will about him. Like He he, he certainly has his moments, and, and we always say yeah. that he... Ben Sherrod giveth and, and Ben Sherrod taketh away. But, I mean, I, I'll be darned, man, if he's not giving it his all. That's a, that's a warrior. That's, well, that's he, a warrior on skates right there. He really did lay his body out and, and put himself on the line. And, um, yeah, I, I thought that just all around he had a really solid game too. And he did have a taketh away moment in this game and that he drew an interference call, which led to a power Correct, play goal, yeah. which I believe was the first goal of the game for the Rangers. Uh, fun fact for all you Red Wings stat nuts out there. Um, it was a second goal of the game. It was Mika Zibanejad to make it 2 nothing. But the New York Rangers coming into this game were 5-0-0 when scoring the first goal. They scored the first two, and the Red Wings scored three unanswered goals to yeah. win the game. And the first goal that the Red Wings scored, Matt Luff, his first as a Detroit Red Wing with the cage on a wonderful redirection from a Ben Chirot shot from the point, um, assisted by Morris Sider as well. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I, and and really, I think that that's just the highlight of a defensive unit that was, again, so much better than they have been really throughout this entire season, to be honest with you, excluding, obviously, Saturday's game. So it, it's a great sign. It's a great sign that, that they're taking steps in the right direction, again, against really good hockey teams. Really fun to see. And, I mean, on the offensive side of things, well, I guess maybe do you want to talk about Ned? I just what? paired in with the defense. I was going to ask you real quick. Uh, do you um, know how much time Moritz Sider played tonight? 25 minutes. Seven? 27, 27 minutes, minutes and 43 seconds. He was at 25 minutes with five minutes left in the third period. The man is a machine. So when you look at like advanced numbers and you may see him like, like beneath the expected goals for the Corsi. You got to remember, he's also playing the entire freaking game. So of course he's going to be out there. Yeah. Yeah. Like he was legitimately out there for almost half the game, just shy of half the game, which is incredible. Um, But yeah, let's talk about Nadelkovic, man. Yeah. I mean, a must, a a huge game for Ned, a needed game. Uh, He's obviously been the victim of a lot of controversy in the city this season because of his slow start, because of his really bad numbers so far this season. We have kind of been like, yeah, like he hasn't been great, but the defense hasn't really been great either. Look, I thought he looked great. I thought he he looked really solid in this one. And yes, it was a much better defensive performance, but I don't know why that's a knock necessarily against him. Like he, he was, he was great. I thought it was what his best performance of the year. Second best performance Mm -hmm. of the season. I thought he was really good and and it's so needed much, much needed. 
Yeah, I mean, he faced 29 shots in this game and made 27 saves. A couple of them um, were really nice saves. And yeah. Larry Murphy even commented on it. Like, he looked like he had his confidence back. And he commented early in the game, too. Larry Murphy is great in the uh, in the color commentary role, by the way. But he yeah. said that it's imperative that Nedeljkovic establishes himself early in the game because that's how he's going to get his confidence. If he lets in an early one, then it's just, in his mind, could be the same old, same old. So, I mean, a save percentage in this game of 931, he looked he looked like Ned of last year when Ned was hot. And I still think this is Vili Huso's net just because Vili Huso hasn't really had a bad game yet. But now you know, okay, well, Ned, this is a, a confidence builder game for Ned, a stepping stone for him. So you hope that next time he does get his next start, it will be another, you know, another improvement. Like now he knows, especially against a good team like the Rangers, he knows that he can ball out. And he did in this game. He looked great. But also give credit to team defense. And you know, we keep saying it. But that's two straight games, which we haven't really mentioned, that the Red Wings have given up less than 30 shots. Yeah. 29 shots against the Rangers, and I think 27 against the uh, Islanders. So and a lot of those in the Islanders game were late, too. It was well, like they, 20 with like 10 minutes left, or, yeah. or maybe not even. Well, and I go back to the how many blocked shots they have. In this game, they had 22 blocked shots. Like they're, they, This is one of those things we talk about where so they got blew out blown out blew out sounds weird blown out against the uh sabers on monday and last year that would have been a snowball effect they yeah. would have then lost the next game by a lot and the next game yeah, after absolutely. that a lot maybe squeezed out like a, a two to one win and then got blown out the next night whereas now they get blown out they're angry about it they review the tape they go this is what we got to improve on and they improve on it the game against washington was an improvement the game against the islanders was an improvement again against that and against now against the Rangers, which I would argue is the best of the three teams you played in that stretch. Yeah. You played you played them well and played them close. You gave up one power play goal, but you also got a power play goal. At five on five, it was close. The first, um, all three periods, with well, the exception of the first, the Corsi percentage was close. The Rangers had the edge every single period in shot attempts, but it was 68 for them in the first as they outplayed, they had, had more offensive chances in the first. But in the second and third, it was 51 and 58. And if you look at the expected goals for percentage, you you had the edge in the second period, which makes sense. That's when you scored your two goals. Mm-hmm. Matt Luff and then Pew Suter with the second Cage rebound. Matt Luff. Yeah. The dog. Cage Matt Luff. Also, shout out Pew Suter for getting you know two goals in two games. I, I'm a, good, yeah. No, I like him as a depth forward. You, probably I like him a little bit better as a winger personally. But, you know. Yeah, take, that's, that's a conversation. I, I really yeah. like him as a winger. I mean, yeah. seriously. Like that, that was somebody that we penciled in as what three C going into the season, and now yeah. like I, I because of the emergence of of honestly how good Rasmussen has been as a center and giving you know they, they want to cycle in a lot of people on that fourth line, uh, third or fourth depending on the night I guess center role as well. I really like Suter as a as a winger like a lot. Mm-hmm. I think he and clearly I mean in the last three or four games he's looked really good there too. So I. I don't mind it at all, and it helps your depth if you're confident and comfortable with what you have in, uh, up the middle. Well, and on that Pew Suter goal too, uh, Scotty, Dylan Larkin got the secondary assist, which yeah. gave him seven points in four games, which I believe gives him, as ESPN is not updated yet, 15 points in 12 games, six goals, nine assists. So he's four games or three points nice. above 500. <laughs> what am I saying? Three points above a, a point per game. And then Dominic Kubelik, is tied with him in points as he got the game winner. He has the exact same number of goals, the exact same number of assists, the ex- so the exact same number of points, and the exact nice. same number of games. 
Dominic Kubalik, who was an RFA, let go by the Chicago Blackhawks, is keeping pace with the captain of the Detroit Red Wings in scoring. He is on pace. Both of those guys are on pace. And early in the season, I know you're 12 games in, but on pace for what, like 40 goals right now? Quick math in my head, not very good math. And he scored the game winner. He's the man. He really is the dog. Like Both those guys just, are so good. I, I love Kuba League so much, man. And that there's a reason that we were so vocal about our excitement for that signing when it happened in whatever, July or yep. August. Like we Underrated were, we were leading the charge. And, you know, like you guys need to understand how good of a signing this is. And there, I mean, you know, I don't think anyone expects him to keep a 40 goal pace, <laughs> but I, I do expect him to be a really prominent part of this offense. And I, you know, we did uh, when, he, when he signed pen to paper too. I mean, we thought that it could be like another Robbie Fabry steal. You know, you traded Jacob Della Rose for Robbie Fabry, who is kind of not finding a good role with the stacked St. Louis Blues team. He comes over here and has a couple of really good years, gets a contract. Obviously, we know what happened. That's unfortunate. That's not his fault. Uh, and hopefully he comes back here after the new year is great. But Kubelik's the same way. It's like, okay, this is a guy who we know is capable of greatness. He has achieved right. greatness before. 30 goals his rookie season was a Calder finalist. Has had a rough couple of uh, years after that with a not-as-good Chicago Blackhawks team taking on a bigger role than he needs to. Comes into the Detroit Red Wings, is expected to play bottom six and throw, you know, was great at bottom six. At times, it played top six and still looked very good. And a lot of that is he's like a glass cannon offensive. You know what? Give me 40. Give me, give me, give me, me a 40 piece this I season. Mean, we were give me 40 we, we for would be happy if he eclipses 20, but, and I still be happy if he eclipses 20, cause I'm sure this he'll cool off eventually. Everyone cools off at some point, no. but he's, he's been great thus far through 12 no, games. I've been loving it. Pull me down for four zero. <laughs> but also keep in mind that that power play goal, which again, the Peron Kubelik connection coming into play there on the power play, they've been fantastic. Um, that power play goal wouldn't have happened if Perron hadn't forced a turnover at the blue line in overtime, drawn a penalty off Keandre Miller, and then taken the puck into the offensive zone himself, made a couple moves, and got a backhanded shot off his knees that Halak wasn't prepared for, almost finishing the game single-handedly in overtime and drew that penalty at the same time. What an incredible shift by David Perron, another guy who's been as advertised. Absolutely. Has been stellar. And... I mean, we talk about it all the time. A lot of the new additions have been stellar so far oh, this season. So un incredible. incredible. Great weekend, man. So pumped. So needed. Everything about, I mean, oh, so, so fun. And, and yeah, like I said, just so, so vital as well. I mean, and the last thing I have to say about the weekend as a whole is just, you know, I, I made a tweet about it, but you're down. I think I mentioned at the start of the episode too, but you're down Bertuzzi. You're down Fabry. You're down Verana. You're down Wallman Pissick. And now Zadina long-term um, and you've called up Matt Luff, who's had an, a positive impact. You called up Zarnik, who, by the way, right-handed center, which is this team desperately needs for face-offs. Yeah. And he was killing it with Grand Rapids that leading their team in points. And he looked good in this game. He didn't look out of place. He did. I mean, just reiterate again and hammer home that the depth signings that Eiserman made signing like legitimate NHL capable bottom six forwards to play in the AHL to call up if injuries, not if when injuries happen because they happen to everyone has Correct. been that's so why you do good. it <laughs> just that's why that man like what hockey postseason anything can happen but hockey regular season is if two teams are close the deeper team wins throughout the course of 82 yeah. that's why there's a regular season it's been great it's been fantastic and i love it and scotty how about this for a final stat to, to send things off the red wings current uh record seven three and two 
16 points in the Atlantic division. Good for currently at 845 at night as of recording this on Sunday, second in the Atlantic division behind the Boston Bruins. We the Kings of New York. We are the Kings of New York. That's I like that. All right. Now if we beat be Buffalo, we'll be the real Kings. Yeah, of New that's York. that's true. That's true. But we still the Kings the King of, of New York, York, New York. We, the King, <laughs> we, we get, we get the, the city. city. <laughs> the Kings of the City, not the state. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh we'll be back. Dan, any final thoughts before I no, we ball, off? baby. All right. We ball. Um, we'll be back on Tuesday with a game preview episode of the Montreal Canadiens. As uh, it's the second matchup against them, get an Atlantic Division win helps uh, solidify your position in that in that division. And it's just let's go, man! Great role to be on. Great response after that game against Buffalo. That's the biggest thing to me. You you play three playoff contending teams, and you win them all. I just so great. We ball. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. To your team, every day. Every day.